Hi, welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that's not about perfection, it's about being purposeful, to become the people we were meant to be, joyful and fulfilled. If you're new here, you won't find a more authentic podcast because I'm on the journey with you, maybe just a few steps ahead. I had been prompted to share all the amazing things that I had been experiencing and learning and to take some people along with me so that we can grow together. So I'm always so excited to share the things that I have been implementing and learning and the differences that they have made. If you've missed a few episodes, I encourage you to go back a little bit. But last week we talked about changing our vantage point and looking at things kind of from a different angle to reassess maybe what's wrong. You know, I think a lot of people really rely on, I can power through it. It's willpower. I've just got to do it. And there is some, some truth to that to a certain extent, but it definitely starts with God. You know, he's the one that gives us the power, the information, the, just all the right things. And, and then sometimes we're looking at it too close. I gave the example of looking at a painting way too close. So we got to kind of change our, our viewpoint and go, maybe there's some things that I needed to change to make it more attainable to reach the goals that I'm trying to reach. So what inspired, I mean, it went perfectly, but what inspired for this week is that I had been in what had originally, when we built the house was intended to be like my office and, and it kind of felt a little cave like, and it just wasn't fitting me very well. And during construction, well, during the process, I had been at one point in time in this like balcony area that has a much better view. It's much more light. I could see if someone came to the door downstairs or if the dogs were doing something, I could see, you know, someone's coming down the driveway. But all in all, I realized that I had enjoyed being out there a whole lot more. I was so stuck in the fact that this was my office from when we had designed the house. I could not for some reason let go of that. I suddenly had an epiphany of why was I forcing myself to be in an office that just didn't feel right to me and I didn't enjoy being in every single day of the regular work week rather than switching with my son who, well, my daughter uses it some, my my son mostly uses it, but it's just kind of their hangout teen area where they like maybe watch, maybe mostly play video games. Uh, sometimes just kind of hang out together or have friends over, but that was what we had intended it necessarily to be. But I realized that that wasn't fitting my purpose and they probably wouldn't even care. No, in fact, actually they really, for the most part, really like being in kind of more of a cave-like atmosphere and even went and like blocked out the little bit of light that was coming in. So all in all, everyone ended up happy and I don't know why it took me so long to think of it. But that fit kind of what we have been talking about is that sometimes we get so stuck in something has to be a certain way or that that's just how things have always been done or something like that, but that might even be part of the problem. So we've got to keep stepping back and looking at things from different angles that then ties into the kind of that next step is changing your surroundings and your environment to help you reach whatever goals you're trying to reach. 
So what that could look like would be if you were trying to change your eating habits, you may need to change your fridge and pantry around, for example. Now, I actually changed my fridge around more so that we didn't have forgotten produce that went bad fast because it tends to go bad faster. And we would like, oh, I forgot that we had plums or peaches or apples or whatever. And people were always like, well, if I knew that they were there, I would eat them. Granted, they don't all go grocery shopping with me. And they certainly don't go plundering and looking for those things. But one day I realized, even though, again, it's always been the produce goes in the drawers, it didn't really have to stay that way. It really, honestly, those drawers really aren't doing anything for the produce. So I moved all the produce up onto a shelf that is more like centerline view. And then I took like the meat and stuff and put that down in the drawers. The thing was, is like, I mean, the meats usually has plans like for dinners and that sort of stuff. So the meat isn't going to get forgotten. It's going to be sought out because it's on my dinner plan. Those things never seem to go bad. It's the produce that goes bad. And now that it's front and center and I try to keep it, I have to keep working on that, but keep it where it's very, very visible. It gets eaten faster. There's less food waste. And then everybody's eating better because they're eating more fruits and vegetables. And I, and I know sometimes when you live with other people, you cannot necessarily always just throw out the junk food. You could try. <laughs> it, you may not make everybody else happy. And nobody, nobody really benefits from junk food, even if they're like my little skinny kids. But at the very least, you can reorganize the pantry so that those are less convenient to get to. You certainly don't want the junk food when you're really trying to behave to be front and center. The first thing you see, if you walk into the pantry or open the pantry, you, you want to make those things less convenient and the good choices more convenient. And those are just a few examples of that. You could make cleaning and organizing a lot easier. For example, I realized one day sometimes it's just a little tedious even just to like get out the cleaning supplies. So I went to the dollar store and I got those little like carry trays and I packed them like, so there's like a bathroom one. So it's got the window cleaner. It's got some microfiber wipes, paper towels, um, Clorox kind of wipes, except for they're not Clorox. They're like more natural and uh, toilet bowl cleaner. Every bathroom has a toilet bowl brush. I don't know why that even took me so long to figure out, but anyhow, um, I was like, why am I even trying to move something like that around? That's disgusting. Anyhow, and I already have issues with toilet bowl brushes as it is, but anyhow, so basically I'm like, I've got to clean the bathrooms. It's easier. Now I walk in, I grab that case and I go to a bathroom and it already like relaxes me and not those little things of like, oh, I gotta get all this stuff together. It just doesn't happen. And then I've got kind of more of a general cleaning one that I can grab if I'm doing something else. And even that makes it a little bit different. The organizing one, I still haven't fully implemented, but I did buy some of those like pop-up mesh hampers. They probably won't last a whole lot of abuse, but what I wanted to do was have one for donate and one for it needs to go somewhere else. It is a keeper, but it doesn't belong here. And then a trash bag and have those like ready to go when I'm attacking 
an area. But all in all, honestly, like because I've been doing a little bit at a time, I haven't had so much of a need. I'll walk by, grab a bunch of stuff, throw it away, pick up some stuff. I'm like, oh, we don't need this. And I'll go set it in like the get rid of pile. And that's kind of what I've been doing so far. But those are just some ideas. If you're having a little trouble of that first time in the morning with God and maybe you're not excited about it or maybe you're just finding that it's not that time of rest that it needs to be. It's not that time of peace. Maybe you're really distracted when you're doing it. Whatever that situation may be, maybe you need to set up a place, a place that you know you look forward to going to, that excites you, that's peaceful to you, that's comfortable to you. You know, make that place a little more exciting if that's what you need to do. If working out is your goal, print off a, maybe a work, like a weight plan. Let's just like working out with weights. You have your clothes, your shoes, and everything all set out ready to go the day before. The thing is, is you're changing your vantage point and you're hopefully starting to see some underlying problems. And for sure, there's a good chance your environment is a part of that. And we're going to really look at changing the environments to better support our goals. How do we evaluate our environment? This is the number one question I would ask, and I am asking (laughs) as I move through it. Is there something in your environment that makes you dread whatever habit you're trying to change? So let's just give some examples of what I mean by that. Like, surely, I mean, you know what dread feels like. It's just something like, I don't want to deal with this. So for example, when it came to cooking more at home and less that desire, like, let's just go out to eat. Of course, you know, some of it was putting in that meal plan, having things a little easier, a little less thought into it. But here was another really simple little thing that I didn't even think about until I guess my, mostly my family was looking for something for Mother's Day. (laughs) And uh, I have been using cast iron for about, I think about five or six years, maybe a little bit more when I really started to get a little stressed out about like the nonstick chemicals and that kind of stuff. The more I read about it, the like worse I felt for cooking on it, which is going to sound terrible here in a minute. But so I started using cast iron all the time. And yes, I even have a glass stove now. We used to have gas, but now it's glass top. And you can still use it. You just have to be super, 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 super careful. Like, you know, not sliding things across, setting it down really carefully. And all in all, it's been fine. But the kids do the dishes. And I know it's kind of ridiculous because honestly, they're teenagers. And by golly, they can scrub a cast iron pot just all the same. But because it's cast iron and the care is a little different and scrubbing, it's a little bit harder. It's just the way it is to clean it. I had the kids like kind of leaving them alone, just taking care of all the other dishes. But what that meant sometimes is you get a a few cast iron pans sitting there waiting to be scrubbed and you come to go cook dinner and you're like, oh, yay, I have to go scrub the dish before I can even cook in it. And it's just that one little additional feeling of dread (laughs) that starts to creep in. Not that big a deal. I still use the cast iron, but I went ahead and asked for some really nice, tough, pans that I could cook in that were not cast iron. 
that supposedly won't scratch and have toxic chemicals and all that stuff. But you know, I, I don't know if I trust any of it, but we're very careful with it. And so it's something that can be thrown in the dishwasher and doesn't build up. And so like maybe during the weekend for the most part, I might pull out the cast iron or certain things, especially we, we really actually like steaks cooked that way because they always turn out perfect, perfect steaks when we cook them the way we've learned to cook them in a cast iron. But for the most part, during the week, it's made the burden just a little better by grabbing those other pans and using those. I don't know why it took me that long because I felt like I was supposed to do that one thing, but you know, sometimes we have to kind of balance things out. Like I said a little bit before, like the cleaning with the tools and having things like that, where it was just so much less thought to go grab that and have it ready to go. Already made that a lot easier, a little less dread. Sometimes people, I feel like they're supposed to work out in a gym and they push that really hard. <laughs> My daughter is very much like that. I used to be more like that, but sometimes, sometimes you want that getaway and that helps you. But sometimes that adds to a dread of like, oh, I've got to get dressed and I've got to be around people. So I've got to look a little bit better than I do at home. <laughs> and I, uh, I've got to get all the way there and then I've got to work out or maybe you don't even like the people that are there. They intimidate you or make you feel like you don't belong. Whatever it is, if you're starting to feel like this feeling of dread, there's something wrong with the environment. It could even be like if you don't like drinking water because you don't like your tap water, there's a problem in your environment. You're not drinking the, the water because you don't like the taste of your water. So there's some changes you can make. So this week, really think about the habits you're trying to change. And if there's something that just gives you that, even if it's that twinge, a tiny twinge of dread that demotivates you, it makes you not want to go do whatever it is you're trying to do. Even sometimes it's just the task is too large, but we'll deal with that later. But Whatever that is, I want you to think about that. And is there something in the environment that is causing that and what we can do to change that part of it? Okay, next part of our environment, and it's pretty big too. Is there a stumbling block that causes you problems in your environment? So is it that junk food that is in your pantry and in your fridge and your freezer or wherever it may be hiding? What can you do to change that in your environment? Like I said, I mean, ideally, if you can, maybe get rid of it and don't feel guilty because you spent the money and don't feel like you got to eat it because you're not going to be any better off for it. Or maybe, you know, it wouldn't be fair to everyone else in your household or your spouse or whatever, and that's just not a fight you're ready to take on. So just ask them to support you by put it somewhere and I don't want to know where it's at. <laughs> Something like that. Sometimes it takes a little creativity, but you can figure it out. Maybe it's the TV. The TV is calling to you instead of maybe working out or maybe organizing or whatever. Can you make the TV less convenient? Maybe you can go put the remote control somewhere where it's not very convenient and you have to put forth more effort to grab that remote. So it's easier at that point to get done whatever you want to get done than it is to sit and just watch TV. Maybe it's your phone and you can make some changes even on your phone. I know I've talked about it before and I still haven't really implemented it. I don't, 
I don't feel the super need to do it, but I still think it would be good. The different focus modes, my daughter taught me how like basically I could have like a work focus mode. I could even have like a morning focus mode, more of like just, just the Bible and the things that I want to get done in the morning. And you know, you can kind of have these different modes where everything else is kind of gone and out of your line of sight. So you can have certain I think you can have certain time frames. I don't, I still got learning to do on the focus times. This is on Apple, but usually if you can have something on Apple, you can find something somewhere on Android. I've had an Android. It wasn't even that long ago, but I don't remember anything like that, but I didn't really go looking for it. And my daughter is like completely anti-Android, so she wouldn't have known. But the point is, is you can even do some things to, or maybe like at a certain time, you just go put your phone on the charger or away for a little while. And that's not in your environment. So that you're like, okay, this is my other time to get these other things done. Or just other distractions and things that are that stumbling block for you that keep you from getting done or doing it how you want to anything like that this week, just look at those things of what's deterring me. What's that stumbling block? What is, what is keeping me from doing the things that I want to do and making it hard? It's too big of a temptation or something like that. So change the temptations. It could even be like you take a picture that inspires you to be or do what you want to do. Like if it's saving money, maybe you put, because one day you want to buy a house or travel, you take a small picture and stick it on your credit card. Maybe you like your favorite go to junk food snack, go put a motivating picture to be healthy and fit on that snack to make you pause and go, I can't be that if I eat this, right? Whatever it takes, if we purposely change our environment, we're going to set ourselves up for success rather than just relying on willpower. Those are the two biggest questions to work through in your environment, but there's a few other things. Maybe you lack tools or equipment that are truly necessary. Now here is a big key and I'm definitely been a victim of that. Like I love just, it's stupid, but I really love even going out and getting cleaning supplies to motivate myself to clean it, So please tell me one of you is like that <laughs> oh, or maybe it's just some like new bends for organizing just to motivate yourself a little bit but I really encourage you and it's something that I'm really working through not to buy a lot of that stuff because truly somebody said I wish I knew who it was but they said there's no magic in the potion just the motion and I love that there's no magic in the potion, just the motion. You can buy all that stuff, but if you don't actually use it and do it and work through it, nothing's going to change. You buy all the workout equipment, you buy all the right foods, but if you don't eat it and you don't work out, it doesn't change anything. But for sure, there are definitely things that you have to have to make those changes. So that's an evaluation of like, do I really need it to make these changes? Like I may have hand weights now, and I maybe don't need like more fancy equipment. I just need to use what I have. There's a lot you can do even just body weight. And honestly, there's a lot of scientific evidence to say that body weight exercises actually do so much more for you, bone density and things like that. So before you just say, I've got to have this, 
or got to go to the gym or whatever it is, before you say those things, really evaluate, do I need it right now to get started? Because I'm not even putting that motion in there. And so sometimes it would be better for you to just start with whatever you have, whatever you have, and prove to yourself that you can keep going through the motions and then evaluate, is what I have enough to do what I need to do? Or do I actually need some tools to make it better or easier or whatever? But at that point, at least you're already starting to put some motion to it, right? And maybe you can borrow some things to see if that actually helps you. Don't be afraid to ask someone, hey, do you have blah, blah, blah? Can I borrow it? I just want to see if that helps whatever I'm trying to do. Or you know someone has it, they showed it to you, and you're like, all you've been doing is envying their amazing vacuum cleaner or whatever it may be. Ask them if they can, you can borrow it and see if that really makes a difference for you. Or if maybe you have just worked it up in your mind that it's so amazing that that's what you need to be cleaner or healthier, whatever it is. Sometimes we get that so in our head that we're like, well, I will do it more when I have whatever this other person has. And that's not really true. That's just us starting to covet. And honestly, it's just going to affect our wallet and it's not going to change anything in our life. So I just want to encourage you to be cautious in this area, but it still could be things that could help you. And another thing is like, could you even get it used, whatever it is that you may need? And of all the things I think that I've ever gotten on my journeys, the two biggest things that I would say, yeah, like they actually really did help would be, I bought two really good insulated water bottles that were perfect for what I needed. So, and they are 32 ounces each. So if I fill up two, it's 64 ounces on a good day, I might actually double that and get all of that in. So a lot of water, but what it does is I can take two of them. I can fill them up in the morning and they'll stay pretty much cold all day. When I'm really good, I'll sometimes fill it up at night and put it by my bedside so that I have cold water first thing in the morning. I know there's a lot of proof that you're supposed to drink warm water and occasionally I do, but I prefer cold. <laughs> so and, and it was funny because I realized that even like the stupidest thing sometimes would deter me from drinking water. So this water bottle is truly perfect for me because if it's inconvenient to like flip open the top or whatever to get a drink or something like that, then I just won't. I'll just, it'll just sit on my desk. Yet on the other side of that, if it's a spill risk because it doesn't seal real well, then I won't tote it with me. So you see the problem there is sometimes I'm on the go and I need something that isn't going to spill, but if it takes too much effort to like flip it open or whatever, then I'm not going to do it. So my daughter found this one water bottle for me. The lid kind of snaps on enough where if you knocked it over, it's not going to fly open for the most part, but it's really easy just to flip open and closed and so forth. And it's great. And yet then you can push it down and then really lock it down if you're on the go. It's perfect. I love them and it wasn't a huge investment and it actually really made a difference. The other thing would be the exercise bike. I talked about it last week. I got it. I decided that that was what I needed to be more active during the day while I still was able to get the same work done that I had to do at my desk. I actually love it. It's 
it's a great way of just keeping on moving. It's not that distracting or disruptive. I'm, I'm learning to kind of get in the groove. If I need to stop for a second, I can just keep my feet on the pedals and just kind of sit there for a moment. And then I'll just kind of pick back up and I just kind of keep my feet like in the little stirrupy things. But I got it used. So I saved money there and it's right there at my desk. So it's super convenient. And that's been a great investment thus far. I'm going to say it's working, but I'm also on that little yeast protocol diet with my daughter. So like zero sugar carbs or any of that mess. So either way, definitely seeing some results between the two of those. So that leads me into what God intended and picked for me to talk about. And that's the people part of things. When I was thinking about this week and what I felt was the next step from changing the vantage point, it was all about the environment and your surroundings. And and that was kind of the next part. And then everything I read that kept coming into my path was all about people. And I'm like, okay, I guess you want me to talk about people. (laughs) It wasn't what I was intending, but this isn't my journey. This is God's journey for us. And then I realized actually, no, that's not quite what the message was. It was that people are a part of our environment, a big part of our environment and what that really means. Are you around the right people? Are you around discouraging people or encouraging people? Are you around people that tempt you to do the right things or the wrong things? Do the people in your life tear you down or build you up? The right people can motivate you, but by golly, the people who are wrong can demotivate you. But the other side of that is Jesus didn't run from the Pharisees who, you know, didn't really practice relational faith. They practiced religion and there was so much pride and and judgment and and wrong in the things they did. He didn't run from them. He still was around them and talked to them. He didn't run for sure from the sinners. He hung out with sinners. And he didn't even run from the demon possessed. He was around all those people. But he had his A team. He knew that people were important. And having the right people around you, what effect that would have. And he handpicked his 12 disciples so that he had that, so that he could travel along. He didn't have always all 12 with him at one time, but, you know, he had his A-team and he did not pick them. This this one hit me as I was kind of working through this. And even though it didn't 100% fit, I felt like it was so true and so, so good that I, I had to share it. He did not pick them because of perfection. By golly, Peter, bless his heart, was not perfect in any way, shape, or form. He picked them based on potential. And that's a really big message for us. And that means, you know, we don't pick those people in our life that like, oh, they have everything together necessarily. But maybe this person has the potential to truly cheer me on and encourage me. And then I can do the same for them. You know, not one-sided here. Or also you, that You know, he's not doing great things with you because you already have everything together. It's because of your potential. And that's what even this whole podcast is about, that we have potential. We just have to be purposeful to reach whatever God has intended for us. So that was huge 
when I was reading that and, and, and just processing it and what I felt that God pointed out to me. But the bottom line is people are important. We need good people in our life. We talked a little bit in a Bible study last week about how it's hard when you've ever been hurt, which it's hard to not be hurt by people. People are not perfect. When you've been hurt by people, you have a tendency to, to pull away and to think that you don't need people. And it's hard for you to put yourself in a vulnerable position again and to trust that it's not going to happen every time. But the Bible clearly says we still need good people. And so I'm one of those people who kind of get in a mode where like, I don't mind being around people, but I don't really feel a need for people. And that's like, even the Bible study was a step of that where God was like, yes, you do. <laughs> you need people. I want you to do this. I want you to, to talk to people who are like-minded. And he showed me how important and what a difference it truly makes. So I encourage you to find, even if it's one person, a group of people, I mean, my intention is one day that the Habits and Hope becomes a community where you can find those people there, those encouraging people who cheer you on, whatever you're trying to do. Maybe you can partner up with someone. You know, we're, we're still in growth mode. So, but hey, reach out because I'll cheer you on. <laughs> I will be your biggest cheerleader. Nehemiah has been something I have been working through and studying on my own about how he was like a planner to put the right things in place so that he could rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And chapters three through four, this is one of the first things that stepped in my path was how purposeful he was with people. It wasn't like he was rebuilding the wall himself. He recognized that he couldn't do everything. He needed good people. He picked the right people for the right jobs. And he was very intentional about putting the people in place and choosing those right people. Just like we should be intentional about putting people in our life. Sometimes there's people we can't deal with, but we need to be intentional about having the great ones in our life or spending more time with people who build you up and encourage you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. It's funny to me because just a little bit before these verses, he says, sometimes it's better to work alone rather than chase the wind. So he acknowledges that maybe working with somebody is bringing you down, that maybe it's better to work alone in that situation. But he clearly says in verses nine through 10, two people are better than one. They help each other succeed. If one falls, the other helps them up. They keep each other warm, so on and so forth. They need each other. We're better together. Again, even right here, he's showing there's a balance, like not the wrong people, but the right people. I had this funny thought at that time. I maybe, maybe it was the keeping each other warm part, I guess. But it reminded me of those Survivor shows. I'm not a big reality TV show person, but I have caught them sometimes. And for some reason, I caught for a little while where I was kind of liking to watch the show alone. And maybe it was like more the psychological and I felt like more of a, a real struggle. Of course, my husband says every bit of it's fake and I totally get that. But it was interesting enough. I like learning about true survival skills and, and how to think about things in your environment and thinking about things a little bit differently. So, but it still was interesting that whether contrived or not, that when they were by themselves, the smallest injury, you know, a little twist of the foot, a little cut of the hand, they tended to tap out almost immediately. Very rarely did they continue on. Part of it was because they didn't have anyone that could help them do certain tasks. Part of it was a fear they had no one to check on them if like they were getting maybe blood poisoning or something like that, or 
they had, you know, maybe a little concussion and they, if they fell asleep that nobody would know. So that fear and, and even just that struggle when they were by themselves was, was bigger. Fear was bigger when they were by themselves. There was one guy who all he saw was a bear paw print. I think that was it. And he pretty much worked himself up so much that like he was done. And I feel like, I don't know, but I feel like if he had had maybe somebody else, like even if it's just like, Hey, just in case I'll keep watch and you keep watch. We'll alternate. We'll get some sleep or whatever. But he worked himself up. I think particularly because he felt so alone in dealing with it and the uncertainty and so forth all on his own. It was too much. And he very, very quickly <laughs> left. And even sometimes there were people who like they could handle starving and, and all the other struggles, but they, miss the people and conversation and things so much more that that was what led them to leave. There were a few people who sort of thrived in being by themselves, but I think that much more that most of us are super empowered. And when you think of like other survivor shows, when they're more in like teams, you don't see that same effect. They, they help each other through injuries and fear and things like that. And they build each other up. It's a weird analogy, but that was what came to my mind. I'm really thinking through of how different it is when we're completely by ourselves and how we process things and, and how we truly do in the end need people, whether we want to admit it or not. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 reminds us that when two or more are gathered, he is in the midst, whether we're praying together or worshiping together or whatever. It's not that he doesn't hear us when we're by ourselves, but he is like among us it's two or more. So he's encouraging us like how much better things are when we're together. Now, again, the other side of that is second Corinthians seven, 14 through 18 reminds us that we shouldn't have people in our life that hurt our relationship with God. It doesn't say necessarily like, you know, again, run from the sinners, but there are people in our lives that will damage our faith and damage our relationship with God. There are times that we at least have to step away until we strengthen ourselves to be able to fully face that. And then sometimes there's people that we just don't need to be around, even if they're family. I've had that conversation with people, and I know this is really hard. You know, you can pray for them and you can love them, but sometimes you have to do it from a distance. Love people, but it doesn't mean you have to subject yourself to potentially harming your faith. That's really important. Sometimes you need to have those that can help you be around people that don't help you what I mean by that. There are people who will strengthen you and, and build you up so that you can face other other people. I mean, I had one person that I struggled with and a friend that, you know, would like breathe in God, breathe out God. So when you feel like you can't breathe out niceness, just comes from God. And then you breathe it out to them and you breathe God's love. Like you're like a pipe. <laughs> it just flows on through you. And, but you need sometimes people who will strengthen you and build you up. And then you're ready to deal with people who suck it out of you. Basically think of it like an oil lantern. You want your light to keep shining bright, but it needs to be refueled. So you're going to go into the darkness. Sometimes you're going to deal with darkness one way or another, but you need your light shining bright. Where do you get your fuel? Honestly, for the most part, Bible, God, and other like-minded people. So you need that refueling station. Keep that light shining bright, and then you will either draw people to you like moths to the flame, or you'll chase away the darkness. But 
light and darkness don't get along too well. <laughs> so if your light is shining bright, something's going to change. It may take time, but something will. The important thing is, where are you getting your fuel from? It's harder to get it on your own. Another interesting thing that came about this week as I was studying was how people can help us in our journey in another way. And that's kind of by helping them, if that makes sense, encouraging them, blessing them, or dealing with their troubles instead of focusing on our own. For example, let's talk about abundance. So maybe it's an abundance of food, maybe it's an abundance of things. And sometimes we tie so much value to it based on how, what we had spent we don't want to throw it away. Or maybe it's because somebody gave it to you and they spent the money or they made it for you or whatever, but it's just not serving you right now. And you have that guilt and so forth, but you realize that you can bless somebody else with it. Maybe the food you're like, you know what? I've had enough. I've got plenty. I don't need all this or get rid of the junk food. I'm going to give it to somebody else or clothes or things like that, that we can give to someone else and bless them and recognize he's enough. I have enough. He's my daily bread. And we fulfill John 21, 17 of feeding his sheep. He tells us directly to feed his sheep. That's one of our purposes. And when we fulfill those things, we feel those things. (laughs) When we fulfill it, we feel it. And that's the best way I can put it into words. So if you've never experienced that, I highly encourage you to go and bless somebody and free yourself from those things. And then even just spending time with someone and, and, and encouraging them is amazing how encouraging it can kind of be to you. Even sometimes if you're telling them the same things you want to tell yourself, it's empowering you and them at the same time and you can strengthen each other. The ideal scenario for Habits and Hope is that hopefully we can build up the community where you can find the people that work, will motivate you and encourage you, that partner or group or whatever that is that part for you that let's build each other up. But the bottom line is I want you to have a place where you can find the people who encourage you. You can encourage back. It's super motivating. It's a big part of our environment and God wants us to recognize, you know, the iron sharpens iron. There's interesting thoughts to that. One, that by ourselves, you know, iron becomes dull if it doesn't have some like item to sharpen it. And the important part is we need each other, but also the fact of like, we need like-minded to a certain degree. I'm not saying like, we're all going to be perfect and on the same exact playing field, but if we're all kind of like purposely trying to be on that same journey and, and, and trying to do the right things, then we can strengthen each other. But like, if you take an, you know, a a metal ax to wood, which is not, which is two unlike things, they have purposes. We have purposes to deal with people who are not like us, just like the ax to the wood, but that ax needs to come back and be sharpened with like things. So we need like people so that we can deal with the unlike people. And that's how we grow. And that's what God intended. So I encourage you to get people that are in your life and you'll begin to conquer things in ways you had never even thought of before. I hope that this encourages you and that you'll go through your week and just make small changes to your environment. Rethink your environment. Don't be afraid to do things that haven't been done before. A little inconvenience could make a world of difference. Change your environment and become who you were meant to be. It's not about perfection. We're all going to mess up. 
I fail. I mess up. I don't do everything perfect, but I keep trying. And it's all about trying and putting motion to it. So have a blessed week. I'll be praying for you. Mm-hmm.